Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's another episode of Business of Film, episode number 43. My name is Jesse Eichmann, and you are listening to a crafttruck.com podcast. All right, so today we've got on the show David Hudakoch. David is uh, president of Level Film, a Canadian distribution company. David brings with him a wealth of information about the independent film distribution business. 10-plus years, starting his career with Think Film, then moved on to Peace Arch and over to Alliance Films. Uh, and so I, I encourage you to take heed to what David has to say. Just a lot of really valuable information. David, thank you so much for coming on the show and taking the time to share some of that knowledge with us. Uh, as it so happens, David's partner in the business is Michael Baker, uh, who was also a guest on this show earlier on, and you can check out uh, our episode with Michael uh, over at crafttruck.com. And if you want to check out the show notes for this episode, just head over to crafttruck.com slash BOF43. Other than that, enjoy this episode. Here we go. Is that better? Uh, I don't know. Tell me your first name and your favorite fruit. <laughs> David. Yeah. Apples. Apples. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you're a little better actually. It's a little less a little less uh echoey, so that that's okay. Uh, so, yeah, so why don't we just get going? If you could if you could tell our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do and how you got into uh starting your company, uh level film, uh that would be awesome. Sure. Uh so my name's Dave Hudakoch. Uh been in the industry for going on 10 years now. Um, I guess Level started, uh, I guess, with the beginning of my career. Um, I, fresh out of business school, I, I, I got a job at, at the time, an upstart independent film company called Think Film. Um, they had been around for a couple of years and, and had an Academy Award nomination and were, were, were off the ground and, and really growing. Um, and I managed to, to get my foot in the door there. So, um, it was my first job out of school, as I said, and, um, you know, started my career there where, you know, I think I was pretty lucky in so much as there's not a lot of companies that were like Sig Film. Um, you know, I think they were really a groundbreaking company in terms of their perspective on independent film, as well as what their mentality was with respect to responsibilities and, and who does what. I think it was a really flat organization where it was, you know, collectively films were the most important thing and everyone worked together for what was the best for the film. And, you know, in so much as, uh, you know, that's that strategy, everyone had a lot of freedom of responsibility and it was, everyone had a voice and everybody had input. So, you know, here I was a 24 year old starting in the entertainment industry and, you know, got my foot in the door at this upstart independent company. And, you know, the, the first film I worked on was Born into Brothels, which ended up winning an Academy Award for, for best documentary. And, you know, I think, you know, ultimately it was a very rare circumstance that, you know, doesn't happen very often. And I think, you know, here I was a little bit green and, you know, with the first film I was working on, you know, winning an Oscar, I kind of, you know, had a unique experience into the industry. Um, cool. So, so from, from think then, where, where did you go next? So after think, 
think ended up, I guess, folding in around 2007, 2000, uh, the tail end of 2007. I left early 2007 and jumped over to Peace Arch Entertainment. Um, Peace Arch at that time was looking to expand their independent uh, distribution. Um, they were aggressively acquiring you know, small indie films for the North American market. And, you know, I was, uh, I was brought on to, to run their home entertainment marketing as well as their theatrical marketing. Um, so at Peace Arch, I, I oversaw from start to finish the release of JCD, which was uh, the Jean-Claude Van Damme film um, that played at TIFF, I think, uh, in, uh, in 07, I believe. Or, no, sorry. Fantastic movie. Yeah, fantastic movie. Amazing movie, and and you know it was, you know it was one of those opportunities to to see a film through from start to finish, and so you know it was uh, again a great experience where you know I was I was involved from the theatrical standpoint right through to home entertainment, um, and so I spent I spent two years at Peace Arts uh, where I worked on you know a number of films from start to finish, and you know I guess left in O. Oh nine, uh, and jumped over to Alliance Films. Um, uh, Peace Arch had spun off its its home entertainment division um, into what's now Phase Four, and at that time I left to, to join Alliance Films and uh, spent four and a half years there. Um, well, it's not uh, Phase Four anymore, obviously. So uh... correct. So E one actually, but both Alliance and and uh, and Phase Four. So I mean. You know, ultimately, over the last few years, you know, we, as everyone's experienced, there's been a lot of a consolidation, and you know, around that, around that time, I mean, uh, of the one buying alliance, um, you know, I started reconnecting with um, some of my former think colleagues, um, name, namely Michael Baker, to, to to really just talk about the consolidation in the industry, and and you know, consolidation always brings opportunities. So I think it was. Uh, it, it just felt like a natural time um, once I wrapped things up at, at, at E1 to to start level. Um, you know, Michael and I are very like-minded, and, and we, we felt the, the need for another distributor um, here in the Canadian landscape, but also, you know, true to our roots with ThinkFilm and, and uh, with ThinkFilm and Peace Search. I mean, I've always been in Toronto, but have managed to have experience in the U.S. distribution landscape as well. So, you know, we're, we're applying that approach to level and, and, you know, obviously focusing on, on Canada because there's um, been a lot of consolidation here, but also, you know, playing in the U.S. a little bit where we can because, you know, the world has changed since, uh, since when we were uh, at so. Well, I, I think this is a really great sort of jumping off point for this conversation. I mean, clearly you've had a tremendous foundation in not only independent film, but independent film distribution. You've, you've gone from basically, uh, well, three of some of the, the, the biggest and best uh, distribution houses in Canada, uh, at least in, ups- in various phases of their life, and you've seen a lot. So uh, I... I really want there to. Uh, I, I want us to have a really interesting conversation right now about film distribution and the landscape. But in order to do that, I, I do just want to sort of set a little bit of a framework for our audience in terms of what the picture looked like, and let's just call that, for lack of a better word, the traditional model, just for the ease of this conversation, and what the current picture looks like 
now because we haven't really had anybody on the show to really, I guess, walk through in I don't want to say a basic way because I'm not I'm not trying to I'm not trying to dumb this down in any way, but I do just want to sort of make sure that that there is sort of a strong foundation for at least the conversation that, that I want to have for you. So in in your perspective, how would you define the traditional model distribution versus uh, the, and I'm going to kind of, you know, air quotes this, the current model distribution. Uh, yeah. But I, I, I do just sort of want to get a separation there between church and state from the way you perceive uh, distribution. Well, look, I think, you know, obviously the, the old model and the traditional model, if you call it that, was theatrical release, three month or a hundred or a hundred and twenty day window, followed by your home entertainment and ancillary um, releases, uh, and then you know following that, uh, you have your 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 free TV or cable um, window, and so those window those were sort of the, the the three primary windows where you had. Your theatrical window, your home entertainment or, or or DVD window, followed by your cable TV window as well. Um, and you know, I think what's happened over the last you know number of years, and everybody talks about this, is just the the breaking of those windows and and the changes that that have happened. And I mean, you know, my my experience going back to the think film days was that we were somewhat a non-traditional traditional distributor if that makes any sense where you know think film looked at the looked at the landscape and looked at the amount of tna and dollars that were going into releasing a film theatrically and guided its acquisition strategy based on publicity as opposed to media and would acquire films that Sorry, would just, create... Uh, just, just to be clear, when you say publicity versus media, publicity being uh, a free publicity that you get in the press, notwithstanding the fact that you have to hire and or have a publicist on board, which costs money, but for lack of a better word, public, publicity being free and media being paid? Correct. Okay. Correct. And, you know, that that strategy, you know, paid off. I mean, we were able to acquire films like Murderball, like Born into Brothels, like The Aristocrats, like Short Bus, that created uh, awareness and, you know, essentially news of, of, of these films that we didn't effectively have to pay for. Um, you know, as you mentioned, obviously you have, you know, publicists and, and PR teams, but, um, you know, primarily a lot of that was done in-house. I mean, Mark Ehrman oversaw our theatrical releasing and, and is, is a PR guy. And, you know, that allowed us to, to really get, generate a lot of exposure for our films. Um, uh, just, just as, just, yeah, sorry, I don't interrupt, but just if anybody's uh, interested to hear Mark Ehrman, we actually, we were fortunate enough to have him on the show. Uh, and if you go to crafttruck.com slash BOF19, uh, or just check out the Business of Film podcast page, you'll see uh, episode 19 is with Mark Ehrman. So, uh, sorry, I just wanted to make mention of that since you mentioned his name. So please go ahead though. No, 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 for sure. And, um, and you know, that was really the same film model was, was, you know, hedging, hedging the media with, with PR and, you know, releasing films in a traditional path with, with a focus on, on, you know, the theatrical window 
and you know, ho- and the hope was always to create ancillary value, um, where you know the the theatrical success would help, you know, go into the home entertainment window with with larger uh, larger forecasts and 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 obviously more revenue. Um, you know, as as things changed, you know, the 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 impact of of the theatrical window of you know, it's really been volume, and I think that's that's been the, the greatest impact on the business from our standpoint has been the volume factor where, you know, the the number of screens has always stayed the same, but the number of movies that are, are being produced, you know, have, have consistently grown. And, you know, ultimately that's broken the windows that, that you know, from a financial standpoint, um, as distributors, our, our, our job is to maximize you know, the take for our producing partners. And so, you know, really the the volume that's that's come into play has has really impacted that theatrical window where ultimately we've had to find other paths. And and that's where we have sort of evolved into, you know, these days where sorry, but, but, but before you go on, just I, I am just I just want to uh peel that back a layer. Why is it that the volume act or that an increase of volume in the production or output of films on the market, why has that impacted the windowing? Well, I think if you, if you look at the, the number of screens that, that exist, I mean, you know, the number of screens is, is probably diminishing if anything. I mean, I think, you know, from a, from a, from a perspective north of the border here, I mean, I, I, you know, I think it's, it, it's a tough, it's a tough endeavor to go theatrically with, you know, the, the thought that, you know, you could be pulled within a week. I think where, you know, the days of being on screen for, for, you know, seven or eight weeks, I mean, just doesn't really happen anymore. I think. So, um, okay. So what, what you're talking about then, just, just to be clear is not so much though the, in this traditional model that we were outlining before, it's not so much the home video and cable windowing, it's the uh, the increased volume is affecting the theatrical portion of the windowing. Or, or am I not getting that correctly? No, I mean, look, I think, you know, when you look at, when you look at DVD a little bit, but also, you know, primarily GOD and, and, and digital, I mean, there's, there's sort of that, that unlimited shelf space idea. Um, and, and that's what's really been driving a lot of, uh, of the breaks in the windows is, is that, you know, with VOD and, and digital, conceivably there is no shelf space. It's, it's really, you know, it's really about, you know, uh, an even playing field and, and, you know, your, your ability to break through and, and have successes is based more on your relationships and quality of your marketing as opposed to, you know, uh, uh, as opposed to anything else, I think that's that's really where where we're where the the market has changed is that you know I think distributors are are looking at that unlimited shelf space and saying you know anyone can play, and you know that's where that's where these unique strategies have have come in and and you know it gets it gets complicated and it gets more difficult, but when you're looking at you know, films that are, are turned away from screens theatrically, um, you know, in, in many cases, you don't really have another option. Right. Okay. So really what the, the idea of the volume impact and just the entire distribution landscape is obviously more films, slightly less screens, 
infinite amount of shelf space just means it's harder to break through. So the fact that there's a greater volume means it's more difficult to actually pick up any title and distribute any title and get that title seen by people when there's just so much product out there. Exactly. I mean, you know, I mean, ultimately, it's it's turned into uh, you know a creative game on the distribution front where where you know really you're looking at films that lend themselves to certain platforms more so than anything else. I mean, you know, ultimately we have titles that, you know, we believe are better digital titles than they are VOD titles. And, you know, I think you're seeing that with respect to certain genres where, you know, in particular documentaries, you know, it's, they're, they're less of a cable VOD title and more of a digital and SVOD title. Okay, so hold on right there. Okay, so before we kind of move into some of what I think is really going to be some of the more interesting stuff of this conversation, let's just set the playing field for what the current current model is, again, quote-unquote. So if you're going to break down taking a film through its effective life, um, and I know what you were just hinting at is every film may have a different effect of life because you could put it here, there, or you know, in different places depending on the film. But if you were to just describe what the landscape looks like right now, uh, just paint us a little bit of a picture there. I think you know. I don't know if there is. I mean, there's obviously we're 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 100 talking about the independent side. I mean, obviously the studios are the studios. I think on the independent side, I mean it. it it's kind of the wild west. I mean, there, every company is different and every, you know, uh, I think everybody's trying to figure it out collectively. And, and that's the biggest challenge right now is that, you know, I think there are disruptive tactics going on that, you know, effectively is really just seeing, you know, what the market and what the consumers want and, and what works. I think, you know, you have, you have companies like A24 and you have companies like Radius that are, are really disruptive companies that are, are, are changing the way that this, that this distribution landscape works. Um, you know, on all levels, I think every distributor is trying to, to figure out what their model is. Can you, can and, you describe just for the benefit, uh, and I going to be, I, I, I don't know whether, why A24 and Radius are, "Quote unquote disruptive," and why you feel they're they're so outside of the box. Uh, so I, I'm genuinely genuinely curious. Uh, what are they doing right now that is uh, that's affecting the, in- the industry? Well, I think if you look at Radius, and I, I mean, you look at Snowpiercer, and you know, this is a forty million dollar film, and you know, ultimately, they th- their their model is is day to day theatrical VOD. Um, sometimes VOD prior to the theatrical and, and, and A24 is, is, is similar. And I think there, those, those tactics, you know, are, are ultimately, you know, leaning on, on the, 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 the cable VOD platforms and, and, um, you know, really focusing on, on, on those revenue streams and, you know, at the same time, generating as much as they can in the theatrical window, and I think it's it's you know you're looking at simultaneous windowing that you know sort of what we spoke to before, which is you know shattering those windows and and trying to find new ways to to maximize maximize revenues. So I I look at the landscape right now, and and I I scratch my head a bit, and I, I think having a strategy for bringing a film out, and and we've just 
just to be clear, we've had some really interesting people on this uh, on this show from the world of the DIY world, and I do believe there is a separation between the DIY world and having a distributor that has different kinds of relationships in the marketplace. But we but we have had some amazing people on the show like Nicholas Gonda, the founder of Tug. Uh, we had uh, the CEO of Seed and Spark on the show, Emily Best. We had the, C- we had the CEO of, of uh, Gather. Um, and, and these are really interesting DIY platforms, uh, you know, theatrical on demand kind of platforms where filmmakers today are feeling more empowered to take their film out and do a lot of what a traditional distributor would do on their own. So they would, you know, take their film on the road and and set up screens and get captains in various neighborhoods and try and kind of go that route. But then talking about Mark Ehrman, he came on the show and he said, well, you know what, DIY, all DIY really is, is just really a separation of the rights. You're saying, okay, well, we'll take, uh, you know, the, the, the filmmaker may be responsible for doing the theatrical, but then if you want to go somewhere else with it, then you you may need to, you know, work with a distributor. And so now we get into this whole world of where, and I'm bringing this back to you, uh, David, you know, we get into this world where, okay, distributors and their relationships and being able to push product onto various platforms, this is where I think the connection is made between the filmmaker and their perhaps desire to go DIY for certain things and working with a distributor is really important. So, uh, and, and I personally get very confused at that juncture because it is so complicated right now to a certain degree with all the various platforms that are available. You know, I mean, sure, there are the big guys like the iTunes and, you know, and, 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 and Amazon and Hulu and, you know, you've got SVOD and VOD, you've got Compact, Comcast, which is in 50 million homes. I mean, there's and there's 10 other platforms that you can put this thing on. It gets confusing. Can you unconfuse this for me to a certain degree and just talk about the connection between the filmmaker and the distributor relationship and how working with a distributor can help you access platforms that they can't on their own? No, and I mean, you know, ultimately what it comes down to is if you're, when you're talking about the Comcast and the iTunes and Netflix and all of these larger, larger partners, you know, they're, they're operating businesses in their own right. And, you know, ultimately when you start talking about, you know, bringing titles into their systems, you know, naturally, I mean, they're, their view of the world is they want to operate as efficiently as possible. And as a blanket statement, my belief is, and, and view is just that, you know, none of these companies want to deal with every filmmaker. And, you know, the, the systems that are in place, you know, they, they just want to be able to operate as efficiently as possible. And, you know, realistically, you know that's where that's where distributors come in is is really those those relationships and you know ultimately being a layer to the rest of the market and you know my view of the world is you know on on the operational side distributors exist in order to make our partners lives easier in so much as we bring them you know the content that we believe is worth their while and you know 
it's 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 our responsibility in terms of that relationship to bring them what we believe is is going to generate value for both us and them. And you know the the way that the world has has changed over the last while is is again it comes down to you know the the efficiency of these larger companies you know dealing with fewer and fewer people and that's where that's where the the again we're seeing consolidation with respect to the industry because you know vendor numbers are are the are everything these days and I think that's where the the DIY model you know, it, at a certain point can work theatrically because, you know, I think the, the theatrical window is very democratic in terms of, you know, who can who can put out a film because I think, you know, ultimately anyone can follow a screen if they wanted. Um, but again, you know, I think from, with respect to cable BOD and SVOD and digital, you know, not everyone is able to access them and, you know, with, with aggregators and with, you know, all of these other elements that come into the fold, um, you know, I think at, the, at a certain point, every filmmaker, you know, needs a distributor at, at, at some point down the line. And for, for which platform specifically are you referring to in that respect? Well, I think uh, for sure, um, I think it's, it's, it's cable VOD, it's S VOD, it's digital. I mean, all of those, you know, you can have, you can have an aggregator on board and, and you can pay them to get you up there. But the difference is, is really the relationship because, you know, aggregators can, you know, ultimately have a title placed up there and you can have marketing drive awareness for it. But again, you know the the placement of the title and the and the positioning of the title within the platform. That's where the real relationship comes into play. Because when you're talking about you know uh, unlimited shelf space, it, it it does come down to your relationship in in getting the best shelf space out of that unlimited space. If that makes any sense, I yeah, mean, it's, it's really no, no, it it, it makes. It makes perfect sense, and I just to actually paint a little bit of picture here for uh, for those who are listening, and to give a, an example, if you're putting your uh, so we, David, if you're putting a project on iTunes, me as the consumer, if I go to iTunes today, I want to see my film as a banner right there at the top, and to be there right there at the top, so that a consumer can push play for as long as possible. What you're saying is, if I'm understanding correctly, is it's the specific relationship between the distributor and the platform, whatever that platform happens to be. Uh, could be Comcast uh, or any cable channel. could be iTunes. It's having your film front and center in front of your audience. And that is a specific function of the relationship between the distributor and the platform. For sure. And I mean, you know, no matter what, at the end of the day, you can, you can drive marketing to the platform and you can drive awareness of the title. But in terms of, of, you know, the average consumer and breaking through in terms of awareness and media, uh, you know, it, it, I, I, placement is, is the, is the key factor. And, and that's what really separates the, the hits from, 
from the nuggets. Like I think it's you know ultimately that's where where we you know focus our efforts is is really managing those relationships and and being able to to push when we need to. So just on that on that front, because we were talking about publicity and sort of the, the model that Think Film had, do you see? publicity being an equal factor to driving hits or is placement more important than publicity or i mean just i mean i, I don't want to maybe, maybe they're mutually exclusive maybe it's not a continuum but i am just kind of compare and contrast the value of publicity for your film versus the value of placement on the platform yeah i mean you know comparative to my time at alliance where you know we were spending large amounts of TNA and large amounts of media. Um, you know, going back to my think film days, it was all about publicity and, you know, where we've sort of gone over the last few years, um, you know, the last tail end of my, my Alliance days was, you know, it was really looking at, at social media. And I think, you know, when you don't have big TNA budgets to spend, PR and social media are today the, the two biggest factors in, in driving awareness for its film. I mean, it's, it's, it's the most efficient way for sure. Um, because, you know, no matter what, I mean, p- traditional PR and reviews are still drive awareness. I mean, it's, it's, it's really kind of the, the, the backbone for, for creating awareness for a title. But when you layer in social media and, and the ability to communicate, I mean, that's, uh, or, or communicate in, in, in real time and, and on a consistent basis, I mean, that's that's where I think, the, at least from our end, that's where we focused our efforts is, is both a traditional PR strategy layered in with social media. And that's, you know, when you don't have the, the massive P&A budgets to spend, you know that's that that's where you put put your eggs, and that's what we're doing right now. So, this is okay. This is interesting because when we talk about the, I guess I mean, look, it all comes down to how well is your film going to do? You know, at the end, you, you you want a film to perform in the marketplace. We all want that. You are acting as a curator. Those relationships, it's a, it's a curated environment. What you're talking about is distributors are acting as curators for the big platforms. Here's the thing. Because there is, and I'm, I'm going to come back to this, this sort of, not DIY verses, but I just want to paint a picture here. Getting your film onto a platform like a Comcast or an iTunes with the right distribution and publicity strategy is massively different, I believe, than someone trying to bootstrap their film through uh, through their own network of theaters or aggregators. And I'm just wondering if you feel the same way or if, because I mean, the the numbers are so vastly different because if you're on one of those larger platforms with the right strategy, you're going to be in 50 million homes versus if you're doing it market by market, it's chewing up a tremendous amount of individual time, effort and resource on, uh, on trying to effectively bootstrap your film through 50 states in the U S or Canada or 12 provinces in Canada. Um, so I'm just, I just want to get your opinion on the relative size of the opportunity here for filmmakers when they think about these things and when they think about their distribution strategy. I'm just taking a sip of water. I think, um, you know, I think that sort of grassroots movement and, you know, strategy, I think 
for the right film, it obviously it, it makes sense. I think you know the the issue you battle with is you know when you're when you're looking at you know the market and the attention span of consumers. From a regional perspective, I think definitely it makes sense. I mean, if you're going from town to town and you're you're going from city to city, and and you know that that one stop is where you're putting all of your efforts. I think you know that path can make sense for the right film. When you're talking about you know really going on a on a wider platform release like a cable vod or digital, where you know you're going all at once on a, on a, with a lot of consumers at your disposal, you want to maximize that. And I think, you know, that's where it kind of starts to, to get muddied is, is, you know, with consumers' attention spans so, I mean, I find it, it's so difficult to, to break through and to keep attention longer than 30 seconds these days. I think that's, that's the real difficulty. And I think when you're, when you're looking at launching a film on a platform like an iTunes, as an example, you know, you want to, and your placement on the iTunes store, you know, yes, it's there forever, but in terms of consumers finding it, you, you're there for, you know, a week, probably less. And, you know, it's really about maximizing that awareness. And, and, you know, I think, and once you fall off, oh, I'm, I'm just assuming. Once you fall off after that week, you're off. It's 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 you're buried. For the most part, I mean, you're you're able to. You know, we obviously work with iTunes on a regular basis with respect to to repromote. Um, we had one of our films, Spinning Plates, be the iTunes movie of the week, which um, you know ultimately is a 99 cent rental. And you know, there's ways to repromote and. But I would say effectively, you know, for the long, the long tail, you're, you can be buried, um, in so much as it, your, your film goes into, you know, not the abyss, but it's, it's, it's within the system and not exposed as it, as it is for those first few days. Uh, and, and just coming back to what you said, it, you know, for the right film, and I think that's really the critical piece, the, the, uh, the grassroots endeavor certainly can work, and I I will put more of a more of a point on that, which is, and I wasn't I, I was, I mean to be clear, I I do believe the same thing as you. I do believe that for the right film, which is most specifically an engaged audience, likely a documentary, because those are the films that you can really rally around as a you know a specific audience that you can find uh, those films in grassroots communities that are you know, perhaps issue-driven projects that you can pull around to theaters. Uh, and if you've got the wherewithal and, you know, and, and desire to do that, then yeah, you can certainly make a lot of money. Uh, but it does require a lot of day after day effort to do it versus the what we're talking about here is being able to have the right strategy, working with a distributor that can push it out to a larger platform. So on that point, I'm wondering if you can just sort of walk us through to the extent that you feel comfortable sharing any kind of uh, metrics with our audience in terms of the various platforms, the way they perform, uh, what filmmakers can expect when working with a distributor, and uh, I guess 
yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture of expectation because it's it's very difficult right now to really understand if you're making a movie to try and figure out the economic value of that movie or the economic value of being on different platforms. So as as broad and wide as that question is, I'm just wondering if you can discuss, you know, the the values of the different platforms that you're working with. No, I mean, look, the, the metrics are, you know, really the bread and butter for us. I mean, we're always forecasting and we're always analyzing and, you know, we're always using comparables. And, and you know, really what we, we try and do is, is get, you know, the best the best forecasting in place when we're looking at a title. And I guess the issue these days is just that, you know, there are surprises that happen, you know, both good and bad. And I think that's where, you know, obviously the, that's what makes this business so interesting is just that, you know, one film could, you know, meet your expectations and, and in, in one area and completely fall off a cliff in, in others. And, and that's, that's the game. And that's what, you know, everyone has, as distributors, that's our responsibility is really, you know, having proper forecasting and, and, and really making sure we know what we're getting into um, when we're releasing a film. Now, is, um, is your forecasting like a bell curve, though? Or are you are you for the most part in the middle, and sure, some are exceeding expectations and some aren't. But for the but looking at the data that you have, because you do sit on a ton of data on how well and how, you know, how many units they're selling on the various different platforms, are you able to make your decisions based on that data and sort of land up in the middle of that bell curve, for example, or is it just or is it way more surprises than we think? I think I, I think these days there there are way more surprises. Um, you know, I think there's the more and more you're seeing you're, you're seeing titles when they when they hit they hit you know three and four times your expectations, and when they fall flat, it's it's the other way, and 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 that's where that's where it's getting more and more difficult is, is, you know, anticipating or, or, you know, just going into these, you know, these investments of, of time and money and resources and, and not knowing. And that's the, that's the scary part. And that's what, you know, I think a lot of us thrive on is, is, is that, is that risk reward because when it does, you know, when it does pay off, it's, it's a great feeling, but you know, obviously when it doesn't, it hurts. And, you know, more and more, I think, you know, the metrics of this business, you know, although it's been, you know, years and years of, of, of data, um, you know, the metrics and, and, and what we do with that data is becoming more and more important. I think that's where, you know, that's where my mind is going over the, over the course of, of what we do over the next few years is, is really understanding, understanding the metrics and are we looking at the right things and, and how can we better assess the the films that we're working on and, and, and what to do with them. Do you feel that it's important to be on as many platforms as possible so you've got as much chance to be found, or is it more important to be strategic about which platforms you put your film on? I think in many cases, I, I think now, you know, in, in where we are with the landscape right now, it's important to be in as many places as possible um, where it makes sense. I think over time... My view is that that you're going to pick and choose where to put your titles, and that's going to be based on you know what 
what our our partners uh, become in terms of of their their specific uh, I guess strengths and weaknesses. And I think that's you know ultimately I think that's where where we're going is you know right now as I said it's kind of the wild west and you kind of got to be everywhere and you gotta you gotta really you gotta really try and 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 maximize you know where you are because right now I don't think even consumers know where they want to watch movies. I think it's, you know, it's gotten complicated and I think, you know, you know, for us, I mean, it's, it's, it's an ever evolving landscape and, and it's really just being, staying on top of and, and, and seeing what the trends are with respect to the metrics. And that's, you know, obviously the, the most important thing. Uh, just cause we're wrapping up, on time here, and I, I just I'm, st- I'm I'm feel like I'm just getting into this conversation here. I hate that it's always at the end of the conversation where I feel like we've just sort of warmed up to the conversation, yeah. and yeah. then we get to you know that forty minute mark, if you can believe. And ah, uh, shit, here we go. Okay, but do you mind if I keep you on for just a couple more? No, no, quick of questions. No, okay, yep. just because I'm finding this just so fascinating, and 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 I I, I trusting yeah, I'm trusting in our listeners finding it fascinating as well. Um. So just a couple last questions. The, the, the thing that I'm really curious about right now is, I mean, because we've painted a lot of different pictures here, but some distributors are willing to put a lot of money into the P&A part of it, you know, make the big splash, really try and drive traffic to it, and then, you know, drive as much awareness to it straight through all the various different windows, uh, from theatrical to your cable to whatever it is. But a lot of those titles are probably big concept, big name, big director titles. They're big movies. They're mark- really marketable movies. And so I'm finding right now that there may be a split in the kinds of movies that are being made. Uh on one hand, there may be this just this this race towards the middle, which is which is which has always been the case, or uh, you know the, this race towards derivative. I'll get you know a box cover name with uh, you know an action movie, and it'll do this much business. And that's kind of this let's just call that that rubber stamp repeatable business model of that I know DVD home home entertainment DVD model. And then you've got a lot of other filmmakers out there that are trying to make. I don't know, great films, wonderful films, films with vision that may just have no chance of success because of, you know, the way they're being marketed, positioned, and put together. So in the selection of films and in this kind of, you know, dichotomy between the kind of films that filmmakers are making, is there any, uh, uh, you know, advice, wisdom that you can pass on to, to, to filmmakers from a distribution perspective? Well, I think at the end of the day, no matter what the film you're making, I mean, my my view of this, and, and you know, filmmakers can probably scoff at it, but you know, your your vision at the end of the day still needs to be marketable and sellable. And I think you know, the film that you make, you know, no, you don't need to have things blowing up on the cover, but at the same time, you know, from from pre-production, you know, uh, my, you know, my biggest advice to any filmmaker that I've ever talked to is envision what the campaign is going to look like, envision what the, what the poster is going to look like, you know, look at other film posters and, 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 you know, have a, have a sense of what you want it to look like and what the, 
the messaging of the film is because at the end of the day, the world we live in now is you are a square on someone's screen and your campaign really, uh, in some cases, you know, is, is uh, a split-second decision of a consumer flipping through their VOD guide or on iTunes or whatever it may be. And that's, that's unfortunately the world we live in where, you know, people aren't, you know, willing to invest their time in, 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 in making that decision and, and really looking into it. I think you have a split-second opportunity these days to, to entice a consumer and to draw people into your film. And more and more of those marketing elements and, and those messages are are now more important than ever because the the amount of time that the consumer takes and the amount of time you're afforded as a filmmaker for people to decide to see your film is 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 an instant and so you know the the campaign and the materials and and those outward communications of what your film is are now are more important than ever I I think that's a wonderful place actually to end this conversation uh, and and really really well put um David, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. I, I will have to have you back on at some point to, to go in deeper. But um, for now, if people want to connect with you or with Level, uh, what is the best way for them to do that? Yeah, just um, uh, find us on Twitter at, uh, at Level Film um, or you know, email us at info at levelfilm.com. And, you know, uh, I've been, it's been a pleasure to be on the show and would, would happily be on again. So enjoy the conversation thoroughly. All right, man. That's it. We're done.